I stand for open questioning of authorities. I stand for honesty, fact-based reasoning, and debate. I oppose all censorship, including hate speech laws. I reject name-calling and insults. I'm Bill Warner. Today I would like to talk to you about the question, why don't Muslims assimilate? Now I've chosen this topic specifically because in Europe, where it's as politically correct as the United States, you're never supposed to criticize Islam, but you, at least you can ask this question, why don't Muslims assimilate? Well, the short answer is Muhammad and the Quran, but let's go into details here. Let's take the first example of assimilation in Muhammad's life. Muhammad lived in Mecca, created arguments over his God Allah and his supporters, and so they persuaded him to leave town by telling him he had to leave town, and he went to Medina. Five years later, there was no assimilation but annihilation. Half the town of Medina were three Jewish tribes, and they were annihilated through enslavement and execution and exile. But all the remaining Arabs became Muslims. So this is the ultimate non-assimilation, which is annihilation of the native culture. This is important because, remember, Muhammad is the perfect example of the perfect Muslim, and so therefore this is Sunnah. Now, the execution of the Jews in Medina created something which I call the doctrine of the Jews, which separates Jews from Muslims. Now, at first, Islam is very friendly towards the Jews, but in Medina, this all changed, and they became annihilated. Annihilation is the ultimate non-assimilation. Now, we see this pattern not only in Medina, but in Turkey, which used to be Christian, North Africa used to be Christian, Egypt used to be Christian, Iraq used to be Christian, and Syria used to be Christian. Whatever happened to all these Christian territories, they became Islamic. Again, this is annihilation, not assimilation. But it doesn't just happen to the Christians. Afghanistan used to be Buddhist, Pakistan used to be Hindu, and Malaysia used to be Hindu. But now then, in the ultimate form of annihilation, they are not assimilated. So, the doctrine of Islam includes annihilation, not assimilation. And remember this, because every Muslim you meet is not going to come across as though he wants to annihilate you, but all of Islam has two faces. There's the face of Mecca, which is peaceful enough and kind enough, but then there's Medina, and this happens when they're strong. So what we see is two Islams. There's a strong Islam and a weak Islam. When they're weak, they're very, we're happy to be here, we don't have any demands, but when they're strong, they become very assertive to the point of annihilation. Let's look at the Quran and what it says about assimilation. Fight them, the Kafirs, until there is no more discord and the religion of Allah reigns absolute. But if they submit, then only fight those who do wrong, that is, those who do not follow the Sharia. Now, is this about assimilation? No, it's about domination. Here's a hadith, Muhammad. I have been ordered to wage war against mankind until they accept that there is no God but Allah and they believe I am his prophet. So in other words, Muhammad says there is to be war until the whole world becomes Islamic. Again, I ask you, is this assimilation? No, it is annihilation. Another hadith. I have been ordered to fight the Kafirs until every one of them admits there is only one God, and that is Allah, and I am his prophet. Again, here we have a doctrine not of assimilation, but annihilation. I call this the law of saturation. When Islam comes in, it's friendly enough, but over enough time it rules all. And time may take centuries, but ultimately they're not, they do not assimilate, but they dominate. Now, there's only one place where there's been migration that didn't continue and saturated all Islam, and that was with war. There were 700 years of war in Spain. There was war in the Balkans and war in Central Europe. 
So the only ways that Islam does not dominate is when there is war against it. Now, humanity is a strange concept in the Quran because there really is no humanity. There's only Muslim, the believers, and the Kafirs. And what does the Quran say about the Kafirs? Well, it says in 12 different verses that a Muslim is never their true friend. Quran 3, 28. Believers should not take Kafirs as friends in preference to other believers. Those who do this will have none of Allah's protection, will have only themselves as guards. So, believers are not to take Kafirs as friends. Well, think about what that means. Is that about assimilation or is that about domination? And here's another hadith. Muhammad said, whoever associates with the Kafirs and lives with him, he is one of them. Now, since the Kafirs are the worst thing on the earth, that is not a good idea, which means it does not lead to assimilation. There's no golden rule, so we don't have something common as an ethical bond between the migrant Muslims. Instead, they have a rule which includes deception. They don't have a golden rule. Golden rule is doing to others as you would have them do unto you. But instead, there's this ethical set for the Muslims and an ethical set for the believers. Then we have Islamic law. It's not about assimilation because it is the Sharia is to be dominant over all forms of law. And under the Sharia, the Kafirs are demis, that is, were to be subjugated. So there's a doctrine of non-assimilation, the ethical differences between us. The Kafirs are hated by Allah and supposed to be hated by Muslims. Each Muslim has two natures. This doesn't lead to assimilation because it's like, can I trust this guy? Can I trust this lady? And instead we see that all the doctrine is Islam is not here to assimilate but to dominate. The Quran even talks about migration. It says those believers, Muslims, who migrated and made jihad in the cause of Allah and those who gave them asylum, that is those who helped them, they're true believers. So the true Muslims are one who migrate and then create jihad in order to bring about the Sharia. Here's another hadith. Migration cannot be ended as long as there is unbelief or as long as there is an enemy who resists. So migration is forever until we're completely subjugated. The purpose of migration is to create a Sharia society, not an assimilation society. This Sharia civilization must be established in a thousand small steps, which I call the salami method, one thin slice at a time. Here's an example. In the United States Congress, they were never allowed to wear head coverings. Jews couldn't wear the kippah. But now then that Muslims have been elected to the Congress, oh, well, now then Muslims can wear the hijab. This is a form of domination, not assimilation. So, Islamic migration sets up the Sharia. It is a rule of saturation where all of the society must become Islamic or at least Sharia compliant. Again, is this about assimilation? No, it is about domination. Now let's move from the theory of Islam to the application of Islam here in America today. One of the head of CARE, the Islamic Civil Rights Group, said this, Muslims can never be full citizens of the United States because there is no way that we can fully be committed to the institutions and ideologies of this country. I mean, how clear can you be? So Muslims don't integrate because we're filthy Kafirs. Muslims are our superiors. Islam must have the Sharia. We may keep our constitution, but it can never push against the Sharia. The Sharia always has to dominate. And Islam has dualistic ethics, which means that your neighbor who's a Muslim, can he be trusted? Well, maybe yes and well, maybe no. And Muslims are commanded to struggle until all the world is Sharia, which means the nation they move into must become a Sharia nation. 